This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 148 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague Ryan Dunleavy. And Ryan, as we head towards week 15 of the NFL season and the Giants are on a collision course with Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, and the Tennessee Titans, this team, somehow, some way, after winning four of their last five games and starting the season 1-7, and seven, remains in the hunt for an NFL playoff berth. Yeah, it's unlike as unlikely as it seems, Matt. I mean, when we, they were one and seven and, you know, we were talking about the number one draft pick and backup quarterbacks and whatnot, and they've got themselves to five and eight now. And really probably what's scary is they probably should be seven and six if they didn't give away two games. Um, but yeah, we're talking playoffs, which, you know, the Giants haven't been to the playoffs six of the last seven years. So uh, just getting into this position, look, they've had got some fortunate breaks, beating four out of five backup quarterbacks, but Giants aren't in position to give any wins back. And a third string quarterback in Mark Sanchez, who the Giants defense simply humiliated on Sunday at FedEx Field. We're going to break down that game. We're going to look at what it takes to make the postseason and kind of break down all of the news of the week heading into Sunday's game. And if you like what you hear, we would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes and the Apple Podcast Store. Leave us a five-star review. It really helps grow the show and lets us know what you want to hear us talk about. And of course, you can also find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stritcher, and all your podcast platforms, including Google Play and iHeartRadio. Ryan, before we dive into what happened on Sunday and previewing next week's game against Tennessee, I know you wrote a post earlier this week breaking down what has to happen for the Giants to make the postseason. And of course, that starts with winning out, which is no small feat for this team because you're not going to be facing Mark Sanchez and Chase Daniel and Nick Mullins over this final stretch. You're facing Marcus Mariota, a former top five draft pick. You're facing Andrew Luck, who, of course, is playing like a franchise quarterback again, and a Dallas Cowboys team in Week 17 who might or might not have something to play for. So it starts with winning out, but the Giants also need a lot of help. Why don't you break down what has to happen for this playoff dream for the Giants to become a reality? So it's really a six-step plan, Uh, and you mentioned the first step, is the Giants have to win out. And then the Vikings have to lose two of their final three, Matt, which are against the Dolphins, Lions, and Bears. Okay. Uh, 
that could be difficult. I mean, the Vikings are the sixth seed right now. Losing two of those three, Dolphins, Lions, and Bears, I don't know. Just fired their offensive coordinator, Jonte Filippo. You know, that could spark a team or it could just send them into yeah. turmoil. Uh, we'll be interested to see what plays out there. The, then the Packers have to lose one of their final three. And the Packers have the Jets, Bears, and Lions. <laughs> Obviously, they're the underdogs to the Bears. Yep, yep. Yep. The Panthers have to lose two of their final three. They have the Saints twice and the Falcons. That's very, I mean, that's that's doable. That's yeah. conceivable, especially the way they've played of late. They, yeah, I mean, they've gone in the tank, really, since beating the Giants. And then the Eagles have to lose two of their final three. They have the Rams, Texans, and Redskins. And that seems most likely out of any of this because the news broke on Wednesday that Carson Wentz could be done for the year with a back injury. They travel to and the Nick Rams. And Nick Foles is terrible. I mean, the guy never has done anything in his career. <laughs> they go to the Rams in a revenge situation for L.A. after the Eagles beat them last year, not only to lock up the NFC East, but really torpedoed any chance that L.A. had at getting a bye. Uh, I think the Rams are an odds-on super. Super Bowl favorite coming out of the NFC. Then you go to the tight, the Texans rather, who've only lost once since beating the Giants back in Week Three. I think it's very conceivable that the Eagles could lose two of their last three games. Can all of these things Hold happen? On. There's still one more, and this is the one most people have forgotten. And I've seen uh, scenarios out there that don't include this, and it, I guess it's because people are writing off the Redskins. But you just can't, it, you can't just write off the Redskins. This has to count. The Redskins are ahead of the Giants. They have six wins. Yep. The Giants. Giants only have five. So yep. if the Redskins went out, they beat the Giants. And you could say, oh, they have Josh Johnson, whatever. Yeah, but we're playing math. We're not playing right. we're not playing like what I think is gonna happen. The Redskins also need to lose two of their final three games against the Jaguars, Titans, and Eagles. So you add it all up, it's two by the Redskins, two by the Eagles is four, two by the Panthers is six, one by the Packers is seven, two by the Vikings is nine, and all three for the Giants. So they need about twelve results to go their way. That's a hell of a 16 parlay in Las Vegas. If you can, uh, you know, make Las it happen. Las Vegas, LA, you could go across the street to the racetracks <laughs> probably. <true. laughs> Not that you or I have ever done that. I'm just saying no, you, no, no. you could. Yeah. No, no. I've, I've heard that such things are illegal yeah, now yeah, yeah. in the Garden State. So yeah. obviously they need a lot of help. And I think that there, there's a clear path to get to the postseason, which you wouldn't have thought was even possible going into the bye week having lost to the Redskins. Or when you left Philadelphia after giving that game away against the Eagles where Pat Shermer inconceivably forgot that Saquon Barkley existed after averaging well over five yards per carry in the first half of the game. Uh, Ryan, I I think that if you had to peg the Giants' chances at making the postseason... I think as of right now, realistically, if you look at ESPN and the FBI, I believe there's still around a 2% chance, if that. 538 projections, which are really good analytics, site still has them at under 1%. Yeah, I, I think that there's probably about a 10 to 15% chance that it happens based on the, the obstacles that these other teams are facing, but it's still a long shot. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the longest of long shots. I mean, if the Giants got in, it would really be some sort of Cinderella story of everything breaking exactly the right of everything breaking exactly the right way. I mean, but of all those teams, who do you think is going to be the sixth seed? I just re- none of those teams impress me. No, uh, if, if I'm looking out off of the situations that they have the rest of the way. <laughs> You know, I still think the Eagles lose two out of three, which would essentially eliminate them. But I look at that group, the Eagles might be the best of the bunch, even with Nick Foles. Yeah. 
And, and it's going to take a, a Herculean task for them to win the Packers? two of their final three. The Packers, I mean, I mean they have Rogers, the best player. They do with Aaron Rodgers, but they'd still have to beat the Bears in yeah. Soldier Field. And don't forget, that's a revenge situation for Chicago for them coughing up the season yeah. opener in primetime at Lambeau Field. So, I mean, this is this is a complete mess, the bottom part yeah, of the NFC. Yeah. Um, so I think if I were a betting man and I had to place my bet on which team winds up making the postseason, I think the Eagles have the best team, the Packers have the best player I think the Panthers to me would be my best bet to actually go um, because all it takes quote unquote all is beating the Saints once and beating the Falcons and I think the Panthers with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey are a better team than Atlanta right now it's boring I'll pick the Vikings I'll say the Vikings they're the team that has it right now Uh, they own that spot they have the easiest schedule I think of the teams left just beat the Dolphins and the Lions Uh, I know they just made a coordinator change I mean look I was I'll give you a ton of credit you were on Mitch Trubisky and the Bears all year Uh, give me some credit for this I never understood paying Kirk Cousins $84 million. I think that was just about, oh, wow, a free agent quarterback. You never see those. They always get locked up before they hit free agency. Look what we did with Case Keenum last year. Look how much better Kirk Cousins is than Case Keenum. I was, yeah, I was, I mean, let's, I saw Kirk Cousins twice a year play the Giants and was never impressed. So, um, look, he's a good NFL starting quarterback, but the idea that he was going to be the thing missing to take them to the Super Bowl, I always thought was a little crazy. He's certainly not the answer. And you look at what happened in Minnesota with that offense and the turmoil behind the scenes with with, uh, Mike Zimmer and John DeFilippo and the philosophical differences. I think it all traces back to them investing and making a poor investment in Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. So, uh, look, can can they win what they need to win? Two out of the last three? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's possible, but I think it's going to be a pretty massive turnaround yeah. for them in a state of flux this is as a, an offense. This is a Giants podcast, so we should mention that the guy who replaced Filippo is Kevin Stefanski, yep. who is the son of the former Nets and 76ers general manager. So Ed, look, yep. yep. And uh, he was actually Pat Shermer's first choice to be Giants offensive quarter. Sher- Shermer was always going to call the play. Right, but this quarterbacks coach role slash advisor to Shermer that Mike Shula has was originally going to be Kevin Stefanski, and he's a free agent at the end of this year. By the way, his contract runs through 2018. And if look, if obviously if the Vikings make the playoffs, they'll probably want to keep him. He's been there since '06. He'll probably want to stay. He's getting his opportunity. The Giants won't be a promotion for him now, right. like it would have been last offseason. If be a assuming it works out and Zimmer doesn't step, get canned, and it, and it would probably be a step back if he's still on that roster. Right because if he would come to New York, Pat Shermer's yeah. going to call the plays with yeah. the Giants. Whereas if he stays with Mike Zimmer, and if Mike Zimmer stays, yeah. I wrote this week that I think there's a pretty good chance that. They made DeFilippo the scapegoat because it was an act of self-preservation on Zimmer's yeah. part. But if Zimmer stays, you look at Stefanski, he's essentially the head coach of the offense. He's yeah. calling the plays. So outside of a significant raise financially, yeah. there's no incentive for him to come take yeah. the Giants job next year. And the one thing, look, I always get a little sticky about this, especially in my college football covering background, is we're talking about an opening that doesn't exist. I mean, Correct. let's be clear. Mike, there's no indication at all out of East Rusterhood that Mike Shula will not 
be back right now. So that, let's just point that out yep. there. There's nothing to suggest that. Yep. Uh, just a lot of potential offseason talk uh, further on down the line. But you look at the Giants and their situation right now. Ryan, I don't think any of us, you, myself, any of the other reporters on the beat, any of us predicted the Giants would go down to Washington and summarily, you know, benchmark Sanchez, take a 40 to nothing lead yeah. through three quarters and win the game 40 to 16. And I, think I, I picked seen... the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, it shows where we were. I picked it to be a nine to six slog fest, yeah. uh, you know, going into that game with yeah. Sanchez at quarterback and the way yeah. those teams are moving the ball in the first quarter. But uh, here we are. The Giants win the game 40 to 16. It was probably the most impressive victory of the Pat Shermer era, unless you want to claim beating Chase Daniel in overtime and the yeah. playoff bound Bears. Uh, but a very impressive win. And I think it has started to show you a little bit of a philosophical change on offense. And Eli Manning said it after the game, this offense now runs better when it runs through Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I that was pretty obvious the first game after the bye when Saquon Barkley got 20 carries against the 49ers. It seemed... Shermer hasn't admitted this yet, and I don't know why he hasn't, but it seemed like the Giants went into the bye, did a self-evaluation, which they said they were going to do, came out and said, we need to run the ball more. That's what our offensive line is better at. That's what our personnel, we have these two tight ends, Simonson and Ellison, who are pretty good blockers. That's We have this running back who's phenomenal, and throwing him the ball isn't getting what we expected out of it. He has a ton of catches, but the big plays have really come running the ball with him. Yep. So... They certainly made a philosophical change to be a run team. And look, that's where the Giants' bread and butter is. I mean, for years, the NFL now has been trending towards this pass-first, crazy offense league. But Giants, their fans will tell you, they, they like to be a northeast, run the ball, pound the ball team. It's what their offensive line seems to be good at. It's what their tight end seems to be good at. It's what their running back is good at. So they should just, rather than keep up with the Joneses, shut the door in the Joneses' face and go back to football like it's 2007 when they led the NFL in rushing yards or 1990, like, you know, when they beat the Bills by just controlling the clock. Just do the antithesis of what everybody else is doing. And I think there's a trend out there that we could be seeing not necessarily the end of the quote-unquote franchise quarterback era, but I think there could be a beginning of a reversion back to that style of football. You look at teams that are having success right now, Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys are leading the NFC East. You look at uh, before this recent tailspin, you pair Cam Newton with Christian McCaffrey, a high draft pick. And of course, you look in Los Angeles with the Rams, with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, who uh, Gurley at one point was putting together an MVP caliber resume, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. I think there is now once again value in the running back position in an offense. And you look around the league, according to Pro Football Focus, Saquon Barkley is the highest graded running back in the league. Not rookie running back, but running back overall at 89.3. Nick Chubb checks in at 87.8. Melvin Gordon, Another rookie. 87.6. Chris Carson in Seattle, a little bit of a bust out there, 84.4. Yeah. And Alvin Kamara at 84.3. So you're looking at these running backs playing key roles. You look at Barkley on Sunday, 170 rushing yards, career high, career long. 70-yard touchdown run, a 53-yard touchdown run, and you're starting to see him not only become the focal point in the offense, but arguably a leader in that locker room as well, even as a rookie. Yeah, it's... uh... 
it's funny, like, you think of Odell Beckham as the Giants' best player, biggest star, but it really might be Saquon Barkley and only 12 games into his career. And look, the part of that is you have to throw the ball to Beckham where you can hand it to Barkley, so yep. it's much easier to get him the ball. And teams. And he's good. very good at catching it, too. Yeah. Kenny Vaccaro, yeah. the Saints, or excuse me, the Titans' safety, uh, had he basically echoed Dave Gettleman's comments and he said, quote unquote, if God could make a running back, he'd make Saquon Barkley. But then he also said what makes him special is the fact that he might not be Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins, but you can line him up as a wide receiver. You can line him up in the slot and he makes plays as a receiver as well. That said, Odell Beckham might be the Giants' uh, second best quarterback. So <laughs> Very let's true. not let's not just count him as a receiver, right? I mean, some I mean that throw throw he made against the Bears was uh, crazy. Speaking of which, Odell Beckham isn't is practicing or is or is he not practicing? Well, or, my my ears or is told he injured me, or is he not injured? My or? ears told me on Wednesday, listening to the head coach, that. Odell Beckham Jr. would not be practicing. The exact quote is, you guys will get this later, but Odell Beckham will not be participating in practice. He was out there in the walkthrough moving around. Ryan, we went out to practice on Wednesday, and what did we see? My eyes told me a different story than my ears. My eyes told me, oh, there's Odell Beckham Jr., and he was stretching, and he was going through running drills, and then he went through wide receiver drills during the portion we were able to watch practice. So this is all stemming from the Giants making him inactive for last week's game against the Washington Redskins due to a quad injury, and now it comes out that he was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice after the coach said he wasn't going to practice at all. Yeah, look, th- here's the thing, like bruises and strains, they can be like a more fluid a more fluid injury, I guess. You, you could tell me, I guess, that the that Odell Beckham went back in after Pat Shermer said and said, no, I'm going to practice. And look, Which if, could have happened. Yeah, if Odell Beckham wants to practice, you're going to say, okay, go practice. I mean, uh, we know it's hard to keep Odell Beckham off the field, right? We know that. So I guess it could happen hour to hour, but just the idea that he wasn't on the injury report and then he didn't play, it just – see, there seems to be a lot of – mystery. Let's say the word mystery. Seems to be a lot of mystery with this injury. Nobody seems to have a great grasp on what's happening. No, I think that's fair because I remember standing at Odell's locker on Thursday and he was all smiles talking about how even though the head coach said that he doesn't like playing the role of spoiler, Odell saying that if our season is over, I want to take somebody else with us. No hint of any injury happening. Then all of a sudden by Saturday morning at about 11 a.m., we get the final injury report that Odell didn't travel with the team because of a quad contusion. And it was an injury that he suffered in Philadelphia against the Eagles, even though he caught a touchdown against the Bears. He threw a 45-yard touchdown off one leg against the Bears, seemed to be moving around fine all week and practiced, didn't appear on the injury report. And then 24 hours before round one of the fantasy football playoffs, Odell Beckham (laughs) Jr. winds up not traveling with the team. I wonder wonder who your number one receiver is. Now, Basic Blues eked out a win (laughs) in the first round over uh, the Hitmen, owned by my father, but, you know, they threw a monkey wrench into the whole plan at wide receiver for my squad and a lot of other people's based on the reaction on Twitter to that story. Yeah, I, uh, let's not talk fantasy football. My season was over after my 0-5 start. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I, it was not a good, uh, not a good fantasy. So, uh, twisting, tw- twisting your arm back. Yeah. And Does Odell I, Beckham Jr. play on Sunday against the Titans? Oh, dude, I, I mean, look, I have no grasp. I, I don't know. I don't know if he would play if the game was in an hour. I I just uh 
If I had to guess, I would say he probably Shot, does. Shots I, on the line in uh, Indy on the I'd final say, road trip. I'd say no. I'd say no. Um, I'm with you, but you're going to make me take the other side for the sake of the bet, aren't you? Yeah, probably. I don't believe that he's going to play, but for the sake of our bet, okay. I'll bet you that he does play this week. So okay. that we have some something on the line, some sort of interest going into that game. Does Kyle Laletta play this week? No. And I think does that Kyle it might Laletta be a little while before Kyle Laletta plays again. Does he play against the Colts? No. Does he play against the Cowboys? Yes. Does he start against the Cowboys? Yes. And here, here, here's here's my thinking on this. Okay. I, and it, again, we could swap out Kyle Oletta for Alex Tanney because that's what the head coach said oh, on Wednesday's yeah. press conference. Yeah, <laughs> let's, did, let's not glance over that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody seems to have picked up on that tip, oh, but I it hasn't really it, yeah. gone viral. Oh, I did too, but it hasn't been written anywhere, and I haven't seen it like leading NFL Network or ESPN or any of these places. What did you make of Pat Shermer standing up there and saying, oh, Kyle Oletta is the backup quarterback for now, but we could always change our minds? Yeah, but that was not a good – that was not a ringing endorsement for the way Kyle played in his debut. Look, I'm I mean, you shouldn't be changing your backup and number three quarterbacks regularly. I think they should just stick with him. Yep. What do I think? Uh, I don't know. I can't help but wonder, and I have no evidence to back this up, but I can't help but wonder speculatively if Shermer was told by someone above him, Gettleman, yep. Mara, look, we got to get this kid in a game. Davis Webb didn't play in a game and we looked fully, we looked foolish for not playing him as a rookie. We got to get the rookie in the game. We got to evaluate him. I'll the only way further. they could do it is to put him number two on the depth yep. chart. So and then he had the opportunity up 40 to nothing to get him in there. And, and I think that you, while we haven't confirmed this, I think you're going down the right path with this. And I'll go a step further. When Pat Shermer made that little dig in the postgame press conference saying that some people wanted to see Kyle Alletta while you saw him, I don't know necessarily that that was a dig at the media, which we all interpreted it to be immediately. So we'll see how that plays out. But there wasn't a lot to like in Kyle Alletta's debut, 0 but for 5 with I, an interception. But, but here's the thing. It's his first taste of NFL action, mid-game, coming off the bench cold. He didn't get any of the first-team practice reps. And I wrote this after the game and took some heat for it. The only way you're going to get a true sense of Kyle Walletta in an NFL game as an NFL quarterback is to dedicate first-team practice reps to him and give him a start. You have to prepare him like the starter and build a game plan around him rather than throwing him out there and asking him to make five throws in a game that's already been decided. I'm still not sure how this is not understood. It doesn't always seem like Shermer gets it. It doesn't seem like other media people always get it. Fans don't always get it. The people like you and I who advocated for Kyle Oletta to start earlier than he has, or to even play earlier than he has, no one is suggesting that Kyle Oletta is a better player today than Eli Manning. In fact, I don't think he'll ever be a better player than Eli Manning was. But it is about, it's so simple. It's just about turning the page to the future once your season was lost. So, look, to see if you want to say mathematically the Giants' season isn't lost yet, that's fine. It'll be lost next week. So, it was never about that. I, I thought they needed to play Loretta just to show what Loretta had. And this idea... This idea that, oh, you know, and again, I don't know that Shermer was taking a dig at Loletta. We interpreted it that way. I'm sure Shermer would say he wasn't, just like he wasn't taking one at Odell when he said Aldrich Rosas is hydrated. hydrated. Yeah. But 
this idea that, oh, Laletta's not ready to play, so we can't play him. Well, you did pick him in the fourth round. Correct. It's, the media didn't pick him for you. We didn't, in the, fairness, Dave Gettleman Well, the, Giant, the, the Giants. The Giants picked him in the fourth round of the draft. So if he's not ready to play or if he's so far behind. Well, That's on the coaching staff. I mean, you, or, or, it's on, or it's on the, the scouting department yep. for picking him where they picked yep. him. That pick could have been a right tackle. That pick could have been a cornerback. So – it's not our create like oh we want to see him play so let's the, the media wants to see him play so we'll show you how he's not ready to play well get him ready to play yeah no I or agree. don't pick him and and I think that I need to clarify my stance on this not that I haven't for the last three months <laughs> on this podcast in writing on Twitter everywhere but there seems to be this notion that I thought that Kyle Laletta was a slam dunk franchise yeah. quarterback the reason and let me spell this out for people mm-hmm. the reason that you treat Kyle Laletta like a starting quarterback which means giving him first team yeah. practice reps and play him in a game start him in a game is so that you can evaluate whether he has the potential to be a franchise quarterback whether he has has the potential to so start simple. 16 games for you in 2019, or if you aren't going to turn the reins back to a 38-year-old Eli Manning who will count $22.5 million against the salary cap next season. If Kyle Oletic cannot be a starting quarterback, then do you need to go and draft Justin Herbert or Dwayne Haskins or Will Greer or any of these other quarterbacks in the first round? That's why it was important and still is important if you get eliminated from the postseason sometime over the next two weeks to start Oletic to get a clear evaluation going into 2019. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I uh, I don't think I let's call it what it is. Eli Manning is going to be the Giants quarterback in 2019. The Giants, just like last year, want a reason to yep. they want a reason to make him the quarterback. And the last five games have given they want a reason up. to take Zach Allen out of Boston College with a number 10 overall pick, pick him as an edge rusher to bolster the pass rush, bring Eli Manning back and build continuity going into the future. And I think that Eli, if this is going to be the offense, if the offense is going to be hand the ball to Saquon Barkley 25 to 28 times per game, if the offense is going to be short, high percentage passes, and you're going to try to build a dominant defense, go get yourself an elite right tackle in the first or second round of the draft, go get yourself a right guard, then I can see it. Then I can see why he has the opportunity to come back next year because the way they're playing, Ryan, I think the Giants might be two or three pieces away on offense and two or three pieces away on defense from being a legitimate contender, but I think one of those pieces in the long term is a quarterback. Yeah, I think they're farther away from that. I, I, I think they're one or two offensive linemen away, one or two pass rushers away, one or two defensive backs away. Um, Yeah, I think they're probably longer than that. Look around the rest of the NFC East and tell me how many teams are completed every position. I mean, I think the, I mean, I think the Eagles had a Super Bowl hangover. I still think the Eagles have a much better roster top to bottom than the Giants do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But I look at what's going on in Washington. Uh, they doubt, they, they, well, to quote my buddy Ben McAdoo, the Redskins are the Redskins. <laughs> and always going to be the Redskins. Oh, yeah. so, I don't actually mean that. It's me being facetious. Of course, the Redskins have won two division titles since the last time the Giants won one. I'm just – that was a joke, folks. Yep, yep. So uh, looking ahead to Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, you have Marcus Mariota, who's the closest thing to a franchise quarterback that the Giants will have seen. Uh, you look at whoa, Derek whoa, Henry. Whoa, whoa. What do you mean that the, uh, that the in the last since the bye? Okay, since the bye. I 
I mean, yeah. they played Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz is the number one. Yes, yeah. correct. But in, in this other stretch, than that, yeah. I mean, I think Marcus Mariota stinks. I gotta tell you, I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't see it. I, I, the Bucks bench Jameis Winston. They're clearly gonna move on from him. He was the number one pick in that draft. Yeah. Mariota was too. I don't see it in Mariota. I don't think he is the answer for the Titans. He's I probably think, around the 15th or 16th ranked quarterback in the league. Yeah. Well, so I just, yeah. I mean, look, he could, when I say stinks, could could he start on half the teams in the NFL? Probably. He ain't getting you anywhere, right. though. That's right. kind of how I feel about Mark. Yeah, He's not worthy game, of the number two pick in an NFL draft. No, we, we've we've seen that, and I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see what goes on with the, his contract this offseason uh, because you finally have a coaching staff. You got him away from the previous regime who was so you know defensive-minded, three yards in a cloud of dust. I'd, I'd like to see him around an offensive-minded system uh, that tailors to his needs, but nevertheless, I, I think that outside of Carson Wentz, who the Eagles took the ball out of his hands to win that game in the second and have committed into the running game with Corey Clement and Josh Adams. I'll be really interested to see what the Giants defense is able to do against a team that has a legitimate NFL quarterback and a legitimate NFL running back. Yeah, and the Titans offense doesn't really impress me. You you picked 9-6 last game against the Redskins. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game's in that 9-6, 13-9 range. I just wouldn't surprise. Look, the Giants defense uh, has suddenly be, have has turnover itis like they suddenly are making all these big plays they have three defensive touchdowns um turnover machines sack machines pick six uh, it's crazy right i mean where was all this stuff in the first eight games um amazing what happens when the pressure comes off right yeah, ama- yeah. amazing what happens <laughs> when it's chase daniel and ryan fitzpatrick throwing passes and um, mark sanchez and uh, josh johnson uh, uh yeah and somebody else uh Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, look, I think the Titans offense doesn't scare me. Derrick Henry had that monster game, but he wasn't having a very good season before that. I think he was averaging like 60 rushing yards a game or something before that. Uh, their receivers don't scare me. So I would think the Giants will be able to hold the Titans probably under 20 points or so. It's a question of can their offense keep rolling the way it's been rolling. I think the Giants are averaging offensively something like 28 and a half points in their last five games. Yep. And some NJ.com readers accused asked me to accuse me of making a mistake and asked me to correct it because, uh, you know, God forbid the beat writer actually knows what he's talking about. The, that's not counting the defensive touchdowns because your offense can't be averaging points that your defense, defense scores. scores. Yeah, yeah correct. Uh, I think the Giants do hold the Titans under 20 points, and they lose the game. Oh. I have the Giants losing this game 19-17. to 17. I, I just, like a lot of those games in the first half of the season, that sounds well, like. The, well, you look at the, the teams they played in the first half of the season. The Jaguars like the before they tanked. Or the, Jaguars. the Falcons, the Cowboys. Yeah. The, these are playoff caliber teams. Yeah. The Panthers are in the mix. This is, other than the Eagles, yeah. Yeah, other than the Eagles, this is the only real playoff caliber team with Chase Daniel at quarterback of the Bears being an obvious caveat. You put him in the game versus Mitchell Trubisky, it's a pretty big drop-off there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this, the completeness of the Titans team, a better quarterback than they mm. faced in recent weeks, I think it's a shock to the system to the Giants, and I think it's going to be a real close, ugly game, and the Giants have shown the ability to blow teams out. They've shown the ability to let a team back in the game that they had no business being in, both the Eagles and the Bears game. They survived the Bears in overtime. Uh, even Michael Thomas, is that 
I thought this was interesting, man. I didn't get a chance to write it. Michael Thomas had that pick in the end zone when the Giants were up 40 to 16 last week with like four minutes left. And Michael Thomas even said, you know what? We needed that pick just because we were starting to think, here we go again. Right. We need to finish again. It was really night refreshing to hear somebody admit that that was actually what they think. And look, they were still 24 at that right. point. It had it, about seven minutes to go yeah. in the game. If I have the timeline, I think right. it might've been the last maybe yeah. five, but it was refreshing to hear him say that. Cause I think all of us were like, Oh my God, wait, are, is this really possible? Could they really give up uh, like 40 points in the fourth quarter? Right. Um, and of course, you know, it didn't happen, but it was neat to hear Thomas say that. And, oh yeah. Cause really they were, it was that close, really that close to being 40 to 22 with the Redskins going for a two-point conversion to make it a two-score game uh, until Thomas had that pick. So, yeah, the defense certainly needs to uh, figure out how to close somebody out. Yep, so we'll see how it plays out. I think we both – I picked the Giants to lose 19-17. to 17. I actually pick- picked them to win. I haven't picked, wow. them, to, I haven't picked them to win much. Uh, I haven't picked them to win much this season. I didn't pick them against the Redskins, didn't pick them against the Bears. I can't remember if I picked them against the 49ers. Um, didn't pick them against the Bucks. I don't think. So basically, me picking them to win tells you the Titans are going to win. But, uh, <laughs> well, you can rip them on Twitter at R.Y. Dunleavy. Yeah, That's where you can find yeah. them. Or you can blast me for picking them to lose this week at Matt Lombardo NFL. Uh, we'll take all your tweets, hateful and otherwise. Yeah. We'll take your five-star reviews. You want to blast us? Blast us, but give us those five stars Yeah, in the blast comment us section. with a five-star review. Yeah, yeah, That'll be a lot of fun. Ryan, any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think uh, I think that the Giants, this uh, way this season is headed, you, you really don't know what to expect these last three these last three games. I mean, I, I think every time you think you have pigeonholed the Giants this season, they they give you a little something different. So, oh, the end zones will not be yes. uh, fans. The end zones will not have the Giants logo. The only thing them. missing is going to be touchdown Jesus. You'll get the diagonal lines uh, in both yeah. end zones. Because I've seen the Jets... touchdown Jesus. Have you? Person. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm envious. Yeah, that's no, one of that's my. Uh, venues. Yeah, that's a note. I've been a lot of really cool college football stadiums. Yeah, touchdown Jesus was pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure. So the Jets play Saturday night. No Giants logo. Touchdown Jesus. That could Sunday. be Saquon Barkley's name. It could. It could there be. You, there you go. That could be that. his nickname. We that, could. You got to get that in print. Forget Saquon's. Touchdown Jesus. Touch by, touch by the hand of God. Touchdown Jesus. I love it. There I you go. It. There you go. There you go. It, it, There's my parting shot. Touchdown. I'm going to I'm going to call him that from now on. Touchdown there you go. Jesus. And I'm sure he'll uh, love that moniker. Yeah. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Find him on Twitter at RY Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And of course, you can follow the pod at Talk is Cheap NYG. We'll talk to you next week here on the Talk is Cheap podcast. <laughs>